There's never a dull moment when it comes to Minnesota sports. Rather, it's positive or negative. Minnesota Sports Chat has you covered. Talking nothing but Minnesota sports all year long. It's time now for the soon-to-be award-winning, if only in his own mind, Minnesota Sports Chat with your host, Ross Brendel. Welcome inside edition number 185 of the soon-to-be award-winning Minnesota Sports Chat. Award-winning, if only, in my own mind. Presented in part by my friends at Beans Coffee Company. Head to coffeebybeans.com right now. Promo code SPORTSCHAT. Going to save you some cash on some wonderful small-batch coffee made right here in the great state of Minnesota. As we get rowing on this Gophers football review and preview edition, a reminder, make sure you rate and review Minnesota Sports Chat on Apple and Spotify. Tell your family and friends all about the pod. And guess what? You can now find it on YouTube by searching Minnesota Sports Chat. Here's a fourth down for Minnesota, and Jackson is wide open. Touchdown, Minnesota. Right now? There's been times we've been able to play complimentary football and times we haven't been able to play complimentary football, and that's cost us. Uh, so um, the character of this football team is really, really high. Uh, I, I love coaching this team. I mean, they, they come to practice every single day ready to roll, ready to, ready to get better. Um, but I think we've got to keep it really balanced on offense and, again, getting distributing the ball to the best playmakers, uh, but also keeping it, you know, where we can have a high completion percentage and be efficient in the pass game. Daniel House, that is the head football coach of the University of Minnesota, P.J. Fleck. Prior to that, Daniel Jackson's game-capping touchdown against Louisiana, courtesy of the Big Ten Network. 35-24, Gophers defeat Louisiana. Daniel, I would say that game was a classic P.J. Fleck game as long as he's been at the University of Minnesota. What I mean by that, maybe not the most thrilling, maybe not the best start. They trailed 17-14 at half. However, they kind of got back to what P.J. Fleck teams have done really well at Minnesota when things are going well. Make adjustments at half, play better offensively in the second half, play much better defensively in the second half. That's exactly what happened on Saturday and through five games. The Golden Gophers are now 3-2. and two. Yeah, I thought the Gophers responded well uh, coming out of halftime, making the adjustments that they needed to. The quarterback run and scramble game was giving them some fits with their pass rushing lanes, getting too far upfield. And then Chris was able to scramble. And I thought that would be an X factor coming into the game, being able to contain that quarterback run. And as the game went on, they improved in that area, tightened up some Run fits just improved execution. I didn't see a lot of things schematically where I'm like, hey, this look doesn't uh, fit the situation. It was more people being in the right spot and doing what they needed to do. And I thought as the game progressed, they tightened up those details offensively. What I liked is the fact they finished drives with touchdowns, Ross. Five TDs on drives that crossed Louisiana's 40. I want to see that efficiency continue moving forward. You can't kick field goals. You got to be able to be creative and get the ball in the end zone. 
And I and the play designs, uh, some of the things they did with formations and motions to help them in the run game. I posted a big breakdown on the website talking about getting numbers in the run game and why Minnesota's uh, rushing attack a lot of times gets labeled simplistic. But there are a lot of small details and tweaks that happen week to week that allow the Gophers to run the football well. So you can check that on the website. Well, one, uh, watching the presser this week, the uh, head football coach, PJ Flecht, love your question about things looking simplistic, but they're not. So very, very well done there. Secondly, what I loved about the game on Saturday, Daniel, uh, kind of a workmanlike performance by the offense, doing exactly what you said, executing, putting 35 points on the board against a, a team that, you know, pretty good, not great. But here's what I loved. I love that they were challenged early. The defense got absolutely gashed in the fourth quarter against Northwestern. What happens on Saturday? Louisiana takes the ball right down the field, gashes the Gophers again defensively. And again, being there, I think there was a bit of a sense of, oh boy, here we go again. We might be in for a a really long season, and maybe we still are. Who knows? But the defense started to clamp down late in the first half and again pretty much all of the second half and that was good to see that response the coach talks a lot about poise good for this team to keep their poise and keep their composure when it could have been very easy for them to start finger pointing and go belly up early on in that game as Louisiana was moving the ball at will yeah and people forget about how the loss of Cody Lindenberg has impacted that defense you have Mariano Sori Marin being the heartbeat of that group making adjustments doing the things you got to do pre-snap last season and you're transitioning into Cody Lindenberg this offseason and I mean he just looked the part at all the practices we were at where he he could potentially be like the top linebacker in the Big Ten, one of the best in the country. And to not have him out there, you're playing a second-year guy in Maverick Baranowski. People got to remember that that line of development is not linear. There's going to be moments where there's going to be ups and downs, especially as you see new things and you gain experience, and teams are scheming to exploit that. They're trying to mess with eye discipline, a lot of misdirection. I think we'll see that from Michigan in the run game a lot this week, trying to uh, put Minnesota's linebackers in tough positions and then using the play action game, which ties right in off the rushing attack. So people need to remember that, you know, there's some players out there that are starting to get a taste of it. But the great news is you're seeing those players improve. And I tweeted about that over the weekend. I see players showing growth over the course of the season. And that's what you're looking for as they start to see some of these new things uh, in game situations. Boy, you must have been inside my head because the next place I was going to go was asking you specifically about that defense and some of those struggles. And it sounds like you think the struggles early are more uh, lack of execution and attention to detail than the actual talent on the field or the game plans. So with that said, doesn't have to be this year, but let's just assume a good chunk of these players stick around and they don't find new homes in the offseason. What is the high end for this defense? Do you do you think it's adequate talent that can be pretty good, or do you think there's some real high up upside talent on this defense that can actually propel them to winning football games on the defensive side as they continue to develop, maybe later on this season or even into next year, which I think might be a more tangible goal for a really nice season from this program. I see a lot of potential on the defensive side of the ball in players that maybe are a year or two removed from having full roles. 
where you know these players as they elevate the bar and recruiting and find some people that fit the scheme that uh, at a high level they'll start getting into the mix I love Joe Rossi's insight a few weeks ago about linebacker development. And he said it takes like three years to get a linebacker where you want him to be. Just processing wise, field vision, deconstructing blocks, like doing all the things that are required of that position, which it's one of the toughest to play on the field. And, and people don't realize that. So getting those players, the experience now, you see like Anthony Smith's of the world who jump out immediately. When you watch the game, you're going, Minnesota hasn't had a player with that type of athleticism and body type on the defensive line for a very long time. Maybe since I've been around this program, Anthony Smith's probably one of the most impressive overall upside players that Minnesota's had. So you, you see him flash. He leads the team in pressures, has a huge pressure that leads to the interception by Jack Henderson. Those those little tastes of 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 young players getting in the game shows you where the defense can go in the future as they continue to recruit and then add transfer portal additions. I also think, Ross, another factor is you got to try to get as many of these transfers in here as you can in the early window and not the late window, because like a late window transfer and Trayvon Jones, like he's played well. But still, the communication and all the things that you got to do defensively, having that player come in late and not get those spring ball reps. It, it hurts you a little bit. Well, and that goes back to something that the coach talked about an awful lot this week. He mentioned, Daniel, this is a developmental program. It, just thinking out loud, in today's day and age of NIL and the conference that the Gophers play in, is there going to have to be, I don't love using the term come to Jesus, but is there going to have to be a bit of an examination of how the Gophers are are operating when the season ends, heck, it's probably each and every day because the the rules and the confines of what's happening change every day. But if you expect to compete in this conference with some of the things that are against you at the University of Minnesota that maybe Michigan and Ohio State don't have to deal with, can you really be a developmental program and have really good success? I think that's, I'm not saying you can't be, I'm just not convinced that you can because if you are developing kids, and you get them, let's say you bring them in, they're three-star recruits, and three years down the road, they're they're at playing at the level of a four- or five-star. Well, then that's going to be exactly what PJ talks about. There's a good chance you're going to lose a lot of those kids. At some point, the, the NIL plays a role in here, whether it's helping Minnesota by getting more money in the pool so you can go get more players, or maybe at the end of the day it just is what it is and you're going to you're going to know each and every year you're going to lose a lot you're going to lose a lot of kids it's it's a tough spot that they're in i just don't know if you can truly still be this developmental program that he talks about and win at a high level i don't think anybody has the answer to that question because of how much changes over the course of days weeks and months every day there's something new regarding this and, and, I'll and say to your point I, may still change there are a lot of changes still on the way. You look at the transfer portal window getting reduced yesterday, that getting approved. There are certain things that change the strategy for all these recruiting staffers and the head coaches and the coaching staff. I still believe that PJ's approach on developmental program is the way to go because you got to have that mix of players that are in the program for a while plus the transfer portal. So you use the the four-year recruiting 
like, you know, the NFL draft where you're bringing in people, you're developing them up, they stay. And then you got the transfer portal players coming in to fill needs like free agency. But like you said, the NIL aspect of this comes into play where, you know, you got your big time players that are younger getting a chance to flash and show what they can do. You're basically putting an advertisement out for other programs to come in and find these players. Now you have the numbers, which, you know, I'm big into that. You can find these players by looking at the numbers and saying, okay, here's who, you know, this program should target. Here's who the best defensive end is that potentially could help your team. Like you can refine this thing down to the point where uh, a lot of these upper echelon, big time NIL programs are going to be swiping in to take players. So I would say the next two to three years will be fascinating because these programs like Minnesota are going to learn a lot about what this landscape looks like and how it will change the way they build their rosters into the future. One of the things I love to do, I love to swipe through Beans Coffee Company at coffeebybeans.com. Thanks, as always, to them for supporting Minnesota Sports Chat, helping provide you with great tasting coffee. Check out all their amazing blends that are sure to get you going in the morning. Tastes great all day long and in general just make you feel good. Right now I'm crushing some Beans Coffee Company. I'll take a sip right now. Ah, it's good stuff. It's good stuff. Coffeebybeans.com is the website you can order by the bag or even set up a coffee subscription. Use the promo code SPORTSCHAT to save at checkout. Beans Coffee Company ships anywhere in the U.S. with free shipping on all orders of $35 or more. Coffeebybeans.com. Promo code SPORTSCHAT when you're in the Mankato area. Check out their new physical location. Michigan's got a heck of a ball club. Uh, maybe the best one since he's been there. I don't think that's a secret. Um, and they're really, really good. We're going to have to play really good, really good to have a chance in the game. I don't think anybody would deny that. Um, but we're capable of playing really good football. We just haven't put it all together yet. Uh, we haven't. That, that's a fact. And we played in five games, and I've told our team over the last five games, we've almost played a full season with what we've seen in those five games. What we've had to overcome, we've been down, we've been down at halftime, we've been up, we lost a lead, we had to come back, we had a game-winning field goal. We've had all these things happen where we can use that to our benefit for the next seven games, one by one, learning from your past to create your future. That is P.J. Fleck previewing the Michigan Wolverines, who are ranked number two in the country. They've yet to give up more than seven points in a game. They've yet to score fewer than 30 points in a game. But Daniel... To put it bluntly, they haven't really played anybody. And I'm not saying the Gophers are that somebody, but I'm reasonably confident that the Gophers are the toughest team that Michigan will have played through six games when the game concludes on Saturday. What that means, how well the Gophers play, what the final score is, I don't know. But I do think Minnesota is Michigan's toughest test of the season to this point. I would agree with that. Just looking at some of the trends, watching the film, going through these games, I believe first and second down will be the most pivotal component of this game. And you go back and look at standard down success rate. So that's first down, second and seven or fewer, third and four fewer, and fourth and four or fewer. Michigan is number one in standard downs EPA per play defense and number one in standard downs defense success rate. So basically what that tells you is 
they're doing a really good job of knocking offenses off schedule. So then they get you backed up, and then you got the blitz game coming into play. They do a nice job of using their nickel. Mike Sainer still in a lot of nickel blitz packages, and they time them up at different times. So you like you see first and second down, they'll mix up when they uh, apply those. Then on third down, they'll get very aggressive when they get you backed up occasionally. They'll bluff looks like this is going to be a very big challenge for the offensive coordinator and the quarterback here, Ethan Kelly Commanders, to just figure out what type of looks you're going to see. And what I'm saying is Michigan's first five opponents are currently bottom percentile teams in standard down success rate. So the offenses that they've played are in the bottom 25th percentile in standard down success rate. The Gophers are actually near the 60th percentile in this area. So first and second down are going to be the Big keys because you got to get yourself in a spot where you're able to stay ahead of the sticks, be in those short yardage situations, and open your playbook up. And that's not going to be an easy task against a run defense that's one of the best in the country. How much do we expect the Gophers defense to be tested by J.J. McCarthy? He's averaging just about over 200 yards per game so far this season. Completion percentage, very good, right around 80%. He's throwing 10 touchdown passes. I mean, I, I think I'm more worried about how the Gophers secondary might hold yeah. up than almost anything on Saturday night. The middle of the field is one of the biggest things to watch for. I posted uh, a trend that I found on, you know, while diving into this matchup about J.J. McCarthy throwing over the middle of the field. And the numbers are crazy. So you got to figure out your scheme, how you're going to adjust to that. There are a couple schematic things Minnesota could potentially do. Uh, zone drops when they're playing zone are going to need to be tight because they can throw that ball up the seam. You got Roman Wilson, a slot receiver who can move all over different formations. Loveland, the tight end who can attack the seam, they'll run post wheels for him, get him involved over the middle with shallow crosses, a lot of different route designs. So Minnesota, when they're playing zone, their zone drops have to be tight. But do they do some things schematically? that allow the zone drops not to be as difficult for that middle linebacker within their defense. I could see that happening. Uh, maybe it's playing some man coverage in certain situations to tighten up the windows while also having that too high shell in the back to prevent the vertical ball downfield. J.J. McCarthy just been so accurate, consistent throughout the whole season. But I did find one thing that fans will find fascinating on the website, I think, about uh, a potential area of opportunity for the Gophers playing J.J. McCarthy. You can check that out on the website. That website, gophersguru.com. Also find Daniel House on the Twitter slash X machine at Daniel House MN. Uh, for whatever it's worth, Daniel, the matchup predictor on ESPN gives the Gophers a 13% chance at winning. So there's a non-zero chance the Gophers can <laughs> win the game on Saturday night. And may I remind you, uh, the matchup predictor on ESPN, for whatever it's worth, gave Northwestern about a 43% chance at winning. And we all remember what happened just a few weeks ago. Daniel, the Gopher passing game, to put it kindly, has struggled this year. They'll now be without Lamecki Brockington for the remainder of the season. How much does that impact a team that is already struggling to really move the ball in the air outside of getting the ball to Daniel Jackson? Because it's been pretty much Daniel Jackson and about every everybody else. Again, Kaliak Man has five touchdown passes on the year, four to Daniel Jackson. Also, Daniel Jackson, quick math here, has about a third of Kaliak Manis's passing yards. So if it's not Daniel Jackson, it's really not anybody else. So how much 
does not having Lamecki Brockington the rest of the season perhaps slow down that growth and that potential to get better as the season goes on? Well, I think Corey Crooms has been really good uh, as a play, complimentary player to Daniel Jackson, and there are lots of potential to get him involved in different ways through, you know, di- play designs out, uh, jet motions, getting him free releases in the flat. You saw that last week with one of the play designs, hitting him underneath, allowing him to generate some yards after the catch. Uh, with Lamecki out now, uh, it changes some things, just specifically in the run game. I don't think people talk about that enough where – the receivers have to be able to block on the perimeter at a high level to extend some of these runs that might be 10, 15 yards to 20 to 25 yards. And Lamecki, arguably, in my opinion, was probably the best run-blocking receiver the Gophers had, and that's where he got hurt. He's locked up on an outside zone play, and Zach Evans accidentally rolls up into him, and uh, he suffers that injury, which is so unfortunate because I thought Lamecki, when I left, fall practice, I thought Lamecki was maybe the most improved player on the whole team. So to not have him, that definitely changes things. But now Elijah Spencer can get more involved, who I think is a talented player coming in from Charlotte, who is uh, getting used to the system, learning things. Uh, They'll probably try to find some ways to get him involved uh, through certain packages. So Minnesota has to be able to you know, pass on early downs with some efficiency in this game, getting the ball out in space, maybe using some screens more, slant flats to create opportunities, uh, getting the ball just out in space to stress the defense, especially on first and second down. I wrote about some of the concepts that Minnesota could use against the type of coverages they're going to see. Uh, I think, you know, the single high structure defense with a lot of disguise, it makes it tough because you might think a concept is going to work in a certain situation and then they change it up and rock and roll into something else. And then you're in a situation where uh, that play doesn't work. So it's a lot of trial and error, but I do think Minnesota has personnel that they can uh, maximize. They need to spread that ball around and get everybody involved because in my opinion, good offensive football is all about getting every playmaker involved make the defense account for everyone and brevin span forward has to be someone who steps up now as well and they got to find ways to get him going uh, in the back half of the season this will be the first time the gophers have met michigan at tcf slash huntington bank stadium since that fateful night on halloween of 2015 with that spooky scary finish oh, 2020 at the 2020. goal line 2020. Oh, that's right. I, okay, you're right. That's right. Because they opened, I'm now seeing that they opened the season. That was the reminder, a good reminder that college game day should never come back to town because the Gophers are 0 2 once with fans, once without fans. Great correction, great catch. Daniel, how do the Gophers get their first win over Michigan since 2014? I know you've kind of covered it, but if the Gophers are to quote unquote shock the world and have what probably would be the biggest upset of this college football Saturday upcoming. How do they do it? What will they have done well to earn that victory? Uh, Have to play a perfect, complete game. Sounds easy, doesn't it? I mean, it's a game where offense, defense, and special teams, you can't make little mistakes where, you know, you're feeling a kickoff return and you step out of bounds or downing punts and doing that type of thing. And then offensively, you got to take advantage of every shot play that you have at your disposal it's like the north carolina game just missing a couple of plays there the defense has had a few lapses occasionally where they've allowed some big plays especially early in the game and they clamp down 
Minnesota has to get off to a very good start in this game and then go on one or two drives in the first half that sustain and maybe finish one, bleed some clock down, keep your defense off the field and fresh. Uh, and then you got to maybe win the turnover battle. I mean, get one big turnover that allows you to maybe get a short field and punch it in. Uh, this is a game where everything has to go right. You have to play perfect and execute all of the details. The Gophers haven't put together a complete puzzle all season. There's been one or two pieces missing or they haven't come together as smooth. This is one where the, the puzzle has to be put together perfectly and you got to play a clean game in every facet. Kind of a meh weekend in the Big Ten, but does Maryland at Ohio State do anything for you? Maryland has yet to lose, but Ohio State, big favorites. Anything there jump out to you worth watching? I'm intrigued to see uh, that game overall. Maryland put a lot of investment into up front on both sides of the ball. Can they match up with Ohio State and show that, you know, that strategy worked this offseason? Uh, I thought Maryland is is not getting a lot of respect uh, nationally. This is a type of game that can propel them forward and get them uh, in a spot where people are talking about them. And, you know, we'll see how they how they match up against one of the top teams in the country. Red River rivalry. Who you got? Oklahoma or Texas? I'm going with Texas comfortably, not huge, but comfortably. I'll take Texas. I think I'll take Texas, too. I think Texas's playmakers uh, on the outside and the perimeter are going to create some challenges for Oklahoma's defense. It'll probably be a high-scoring game uh, where there's a lot of points thrown around, but I do think that uh, the overall front that Texas has is going to end up prevailing uh, against OU. When people sign up at gophersguru.com, Daniel, they'll get a fair amount of what we talked about, but in much deeper form. (laughs) much more in depth but what else is at gophersguru.com yeah breakdown of the game all the matchups that you need to watch for scheme personnel related uh all 22 cuts uh, showing you some of the coverage looks that minnesota could potentially deploy that have had success in the past a breakdown of the run game which we talked about on the pod what they did against louisiana to get some good ground game numbers which would be pivotal in this game as well so lots of different stuff on the website for you to check out Gophers play well and cover on Saturday. I'm not saying they can't win, but I'd be very surprised if they do. Daniel, I'll give you next week off. I think we could both use a little bit of time during the bye week, but we'll uh, we'll be back in two weeks to preview Minnesota at Iowa. PJ Flex, eighth attempt at getting his first win over Iowa. We'll see how that goes. Daniel, thank you so much. Enjoy the game this weekend. Thanks for having me. You too. That is at Daniel House MN on Twitter at gophersguru.com is the website. I am at the Ross Brendel on Twitter and X. Thank you so much for consuming this pod. I'm back again early next week with Judd Zolgan from Score North.